Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Uh, Ira, how about if you kick off this hour on uh, some crazy things that retirees are doing? Yeah. How'd that go? So, you know, one of the one of the workshops that we teach is called Dismantling the Myths of Investing. Uh-huh. And I came across this article, which immediately caught my eye. Don't ruin your, reti- your golden years. Nine ridiculous retirement myths. Cool. You need to stop believing. All right. So the first one, you know, it talks about how retirement today is a lot different than it was 30 years ago for the main reason that today we don't have pensions or sure. there are very, very few. Yeah. So planning has to be a lot more intricate um, and you have to look at a lot more things because there's not this an $800,000, $2,000 a month <clears throat> that's going to be coming in for most people. So bad advice rule number one or myth number one, I should say. <laughs> a lot one of those mil- are the same. One million in the bank equals retirement success. Okay. okay. Rule of, and it goes on, and, and I found this to be very accurate. Rule of thumbs are attractive because they make a complex, simple to understand, something that's complex, simple to understand. Sure. Yeah, because we can easily throw out the number, you know, and they, they talk about the 4% rule. Um, is meaningless unless you, they're related to an individual strategy and there's a plan and you know what the cash flow needs are. The right. 4% rule can be a very effective rule. Yeah. But if you don't know what the cash flow needs are going to be, sure. it, you know, even the million dollars becomes a myth and it could become misleading. You might not be able to say it. It might not be enough. You know, uh, It's the same thing, for example, with Social Security, which we were just talking about at the yeah. end of the last segment. And it says, this is the estimated benefit at 62, 67, and 70. And most people look at that and they don't read the whole thing. And they think, well, if I I can retire at 66 and I can just wait until 70 and my Social Security is going to go up from $2,600 to $3,200. Okay. Well, without reading that whole thing through and... This, you know, not even taking into account, you know, it might be 76% or whatever, but just that number right there, that number is based upon you working and earning the same amount that you got paid the previous year that was recorded for that social security benefit with inflation. They don't know what inflation is going to be. And that's why it says an estimate. Sure. Okay. Now. Going back to something you said, which um, it could be a myth or not, you know, you have to have a lot more information. If somebody is getting even a, you know, let's just say they're getting uh, $1,200 a month or $1,000 a month from Social Security. Okay. Just say that. Mm -hmm. And they have a million dollars, even using that 4% rule, that's 40,000 a year. Right, about so about, so about fifty-two thousand a year between those two, if they've got their house paid off, if the kids are out, you know, and they just like we were talking, they don't go out, they don't do, don't buy the latest technology thing, they eat at home, you know, 
they could be secure, but the key is knowing what you're going to be spending well in advance to know if that million's going to be enough for sure. Well, and the other reason why I say, you know, it's a myth. I mean, and it's the yeah. article that said it's a myth is I have, a, you know, a, a good percentage of my clients yeah. that don't have a million dollars in their retirement account. Right. You know, or in all their accounts, mm -hmm. you know, combined. Yeah. But they're living very comfortable retirements. They're exactly. doing what they want to do. So, and I think that is something that the investment industry promotes. Yes. In order to get people to buy their products. Mm -hmm. Because some people, you know, I mean, you know if you ask, and I'll, I'll use, we talked about him earlier, Warren Buffett. Right. You know, I had a client ask me, do you think $10,000 a month is enough in retirement. And I say, well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> right. Most of my clients are not getting $10,000 a month. Yeah. But Warren Buffett would say, how do you live on 10,000 a month? I don't care how frugal he is. Right. Okay? Right. So the million dollars, that is the myth. Yeah. Because some people will need more than that. Some people will need less than that. There is no magic number. Right. My brother asked me, well, what's your number? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, what's your number for retirement? I'm like, I don't have a number. Yeah. All right. The rapture is my number for retirement. Okay. Um, bad advice number two. Annuities and whole life insurance will protect your income. Okay. Yeah. You must avoid falling for expensive insurance and annuity sales tactics that are too good to be true. Variable annuity sales increase when the stock market has declined. Creating and sticking to your financial investment plan will help you avoid costly mistakes like this. Yeah, so, um, you know, we haven't sold variable annuities for years. Certainly not nothing that was a commission deal. A lot of times you see them in IRAs. I'm interested in that statistic, though. You know, normally when the markets are going down, most of the data says people are pulling money out of the market. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm guessing, I don't know uh, where they're getting that data, but a lot of times what these people get sold is, well, it's a variable annuity, but we have this guaranteed withdrawal rate. We have this minimum guarantee and it's phantom dollars. <laughs> Unfortunately, Best Buy doesn't take phantom dollars. <laughs> Walmart doesn't take phantom dollars. <laughs> you can't spend those. Well, I think phantom dollars might be a good inheritance, you know. Because, like, you, you know, you spent all your money. I left you $3 million. Dollars. They're just all phantom yeah. dollars. Yeah, so one of, um, one of my colleagues over the years, he sent, just sent me this uh, question. I've got this annuity I'm recommending. Uh, uh, one, one of these equity index annuities. Mm -hmm. It's got a cap rate of 11%. Annual? Annual cap. Okay. A, yeah, annual point-to-point. Uh, -point, uh -huh. Okay. You know, can't, they can't lose money in a down year cap at, you know, 11%. Uh-huh. I said that annuity will probably end up with an average of four to five. Pretty close, yeah. He said, well, how do you figure that? It's 11%. I'm like, no, it's 11% cap. And when you look at the long-term historical rate of return for the S&P 500, it's between 9 and 10. Right. That is taking into account all the negative years and all the positive years above 11%. Right. 
So therefore, if they're capping you at 11, even though you might not lose anything in a negative year, you're still not going to get the returns from those years that hit 18 and 22 and 30% to give you that higher rate of return. And you're assuming, which I'm sure buried in that particular contract is, cap can be as low as 5% depending on, you know, blah, blah, blah condition. That cap probably won't stay there for 20 years either. They're probably not. You know. And the other thing, too, that really irritated me about this is that he said, oh, and there's no fee. <laughs> I said, well, when did this particular insurance company become a philanthropic organization? Right. That they're now working for free. And I'm even more surprised at you for believing that they're not making money on this. Right. Okay. Number three. Number three. You can't afford to buy a house because of your Starbucks habit. You can't or can? You can't. Okay. I might agree with that one. You see, I, at first <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. But then I thought, well, you know what? It's probably not going to really change it all that much because you need to come up with a lot of money shorter term. Uh-huh. But it will be a really bad, potentially bad problem with accumulating more wealth. Sure. Because that, you know, if you do $5 a day, uh, you know, that's $20 a month, let's say, right? Five days a week, that's 25 It's $100 a month. Yeah. Right? That's $1,200 a year. Yep. Just like that. Um, like your smokeless tobacco your smokeless guy. smokeless tobacco, right. Yeah. You know, long term, the compound interest effect is what really creates the wealth. Yeah. So little bits of money can actually add up to a lot long term. Mm-hmm. But if you learn to buy a house within the next two to three years, going to buy in Starbucks is probably not. <laughs> going to stop you from buying that house. There you go. Um, myth number four, or bad advice number four. Um, and you're an enrolled agent, so you're actually licensed or, I don't know, certified with the Internal Revenue Service to do tax returns and represent people in front of the Internal Revenue Service. Bad advice number four, always withdraw from the taxable account first. Oh, horrible, horrible advice. Okay. <laughs> Why would you say that? Well, there's there are so, you know, kind of gets back to that 4% rule issue. There's so many facts that can be uh, factored into that, that you could end up withdrawing some from your IRA, almost tax-free just because of standard deductions and things like that in the early years of retirement. Uh, we talk about, you know, converting some of those assets if you don't really need it to need to spend it. But, uh, you know, the... I started doing this in 1993, so I'm I'm in my 30th year doing this, and I have run across very few. I can't I I won't say none, but I'll say very few rules like that that always work. You know, I don't care if it's the four percent rule, if it's you know subtract my age from a hundred, and that's how many bonds I should have. You know, all of I find very few of these rules of thumb actually work. And that's what you know, I said at the very yeah. beginning. These rules of th- rule of thumb <laughs> right. helps to take a complex idea yep. and make it very simple. And you miss the whole thing and you end up blowing yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of like when we talk about in a workshop, you know, um, the first myth of investing 
you know, stock picking, why it doesn't work. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, and the Dalbar study, which shows that most investors in equities underperform the markets. Significantly. Okay. Yep. Um, we have five or six. This, we're at number five. All right. All right. You should only invest in income producing assets. No, I only want to invest in things losing money, Ira. That's uh, that's my goal. Well, <laughs> I got a bridge I can sell you. <laughs> um, I might agree with that, although I'm sure they're looking at cash flow income and not necessarily capital gain and appreciation. Well, income producing assets tend not to have growth. Yeah. Right. And therefore, you can't stay ahead of inflation. You're <laughs> going to end up losing money to inflation. It, it sounds good. You know, you want to buy these dividend stocks. But yeah. I mean, over the years, I mean, I'm in this business um, next come March, it'll be 40 years. I've seen companies stop paying dividends. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so these big, beautiful dividend paying stocks, Several years, the company, yeah. you know, they're done. This one I, I've looked at uh, retiring, retiring abroad will save you money. Many retirees assume that moving abroad to a country with a lower cost of living is a surefire way to save money. The assumption couldn't be farther from the truth. Many retirees spend more money trying to feel comfortable in a foreign country than they would have spent staying at home. That's interesting. Yeah. The cost can add up quickly and adjusting to a new environment is hard, especially one with a new language, currency, and customs. Retiring abroad can be an excellent option for some, but it's not a decision to take lightly. Now, that part I would agree with. Yeah. I mean, it it appeals to me um, just on a personal note. I mean, I would rather have some little shack in Belize or Ecuador or something like that with a decent view on the hillside than some big cabin in Aspen, you know, or something like that that just – uh, or even even a place, you know, at Mont Eagle or something like that is just, I would like that lifestyle, I think. But that's interesting that people over, not overspend, but they spend a lot more just trying to adjust. Yeah, and I never. That's th- an interesting thought. I never thought about that. And, you know, like I said, my wife and I were just in Roatan. And what's really crazy, and, you know, a few years back before COVID, uh, we were in Costa Rica and these pl- are places where I can scuba dive, which yeah. I love doing. Um and I said to Elaine, I said, you know, I can see living in a place like this. Yeah. But it, number one, those are third world countries. Right. Um, the infrastructure was terrible. Um, but the thing that scares me the most mm-hmm. is the health care. Oh, uh-huh. Am I going to get good quality health care? Right. You know? So I don't know that I could actually become an expat. The wealthy aren't flying to Honduras to get their heart transplant or anything like no. that. No. And people from Canada with their socialized medicine right. are coming to the United States and Mexico. Yep. Um, number seven, trying to predict future tax rates. Oh, yeah. That's about as easy as predicting future market trends, right? Yeah. You know, and, you know, I, I, I was just given. Um, They'll still be here. That's my prediction. We'll still have them. Yeah. So I I had lunch with a, a good friend yesterday, uh, another advisor, and he said, I want you to look, and I haven't done it yet, gave me an envelope. So I want you to look at this study that I have done for one of my clients. Mm-hmm. And it's a study about doing a Roth conversion. Yeah. Um, he said, 
you know, based upon RMDs, this is how much he would come out with versus paying the taxes now. So if he just stuck with the government table and did his required distributions, they're looking at if he does some conversions early, how's it going to turn out? Okay. Yep. Um, but he said, but if everything stays the same, assuming the same rate of return, he's actually fine just staying where he is. So <laughs> the whole conversion thing, and I have to look further at this report that he had done. That was what he kind of highlighted to me. Um, the whole thing is trying to predict. I know that there are a lot of people out there that are like, you need to convert your IRA to a Roth IRA because tax rates are only right. going to go up and we're at the lowest. And We don't know. We right. just don't know. We make recommendations based upon what is and then try and then adjust. Yeah, and build in enough flexibility and diversification to adjust, yeah. As things change. Last one. Retire- right? uh, there's two, but oh. I can make this the last That's one. That's okay. Uh, retirement strategies are one size fits all. Yeah, totally disagree there. Totally disagree with it. It's really bad advice. Well, um, just like the four ev- percent. Everyone rule should and- diversify. They shouldn't stock pick or predict the future. <laughs> so right. in that regard, it's universal, right? But <laughs> those are investing strategies. All right, but retiring is different for everybody. Uh, number nine, just contribute to your four hundred one k and don't think about it. Oh gosh, okay. Yeah, um, I think don't too think many people what? do that. Question, I'm sorry. <laughs> just, just put the money in and don't worry about it. It's going to grow. Oh, I'm scared. So kind of the, to me, uh-huh. the inherent wow. thing in that is they could change funds uh, in the menu. You're not rebalancing. Uh, chances are the company even picked your choice and you just don't look at it. Um, no, I, I like the thought that you're not paying attention to it every day. Absolutely. And getting emotional. But I think ignoring that is not really a good way to go. I think the main point on this is that people need to educate themselves. Yeah. Totally. Um, regarding their 401k, what's in it, what are the investments in it, um, how much should they be contributing, is it going to be enough to help towards retirement? Yeah. You know, rebalancing, does it allow for rebalancing? How is that done? Mm -hmm. How much risk are they taking with the different mixes that are available? Or how are they picking and choosing the funds they're putting, you know, that are in the portfolio that they're they're limited to choose from? Well, question. Yeah. Uh, Before we hit the break. Yeah. What if you're saying people need to educate themselves? What if they're 25 or 29? I hear you guys all the time say that, hey, we got young guys at our office now. They're, I'm not they need to come age, in. And, they're younger. Yeah, they need to come in me. and get educated at 25. Totally. Okay, but yeah. what if they don't know where to go or how to rebalance that? I mean, I well, I they need to, Paul, to call Paul Winkler, but, the investor coach. Yeah, but no one, <laughs> but no one has reached like me. Uh, hey, Paul. Yeah. T- tell me about this. You know, or no, that's Evan hey, no, or Ira. Help yeah. me out with this. Well, they can go to paulwinkler.com. They no. can request a call. No, seriously. No, I mean, that's not a plug. You know what? <laughs> and that, that's a very good question, Leviticus, because yeah. it's you know the people that are listening to the radio show, if they happen to be younger people, 20, 25, yeah. 30 years old, they can go to our website, paulwinkler.com. Uh, they can listen to the radio show. They can listen to podcasts, and they can come in for a free initial consultation or even a free fifteen-minute phone call. Gotcha. But how do we reach the people? And this is what right. we talk about yeah. all the time: they yeah. are not listening to this show, and that's where the problem lies. You know, the benefit of a twenty, twenty-two, twenty-five, or thirty, or forty-year-old coming in to talk to us, yeah, it, and is that 
for the remainder of their investment life, they're not getting it wrong. The, you know, the beauty of working as I enjoy with the young kids, there's not a lot of money there. That's not the beauty part of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of it is I know what their potential is. Right. And I know that if they start at 25, if they're putting away $150 a month, they could retire a millionaire. And their kid's going to college and they're going to yeah. have a great wedding. Yeah. You know, but yep. it's the person yeah. that comes in that says to me, you know, I'm 55 years old. I don't have enough money to retire. I'm willing to take more risk now to make up for what I've missed out on. That's dangerous because taking more risks might work between 55 and let's say 63, right? And then all of a sudden we go into a period of time like 2000 to 2002 yep. and we lose 40% of the value. Yeah. The uh, always an interesting thing, myths versus truths is something we're big on. We're going to take a quick break. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything that we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get it initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. And, you know, we were talking about some of the myths earlier that people follow in retirement and rules of thumb. But that relates to the financial aspect of that. And there was an interesting article uh, in Bloomberg. The big question in retirement, who am I now that I'm not working? One of us is struggling with uh, that question, trying to figure out, you know, our identity. And I think that's an issue that a lot of people don't really pay attention to when they're looking at retirement. We do talk about the numbers and people focus on the numbers. Uh, but I want to read some of this and see, you know, if you're listening out there, see if you find yourself in this situation. Uh, this is from Steve. The iPhone buzzed on my nightstand the other morning. Time sensitive, the screen shouted. Enterprise meeting today at 9 a.m., it does that every Monday, and my heart leaps a bit each time. The vibration heralds the weekly confab of my group at the Wall Street Journal, even though I left the job more than a year ago. Yes, I'm still in denial. Retirement has been a blessing, don't get me wrong. I lost the press of daily journalism and one more time, and mental leeway, to travel, be with family, tinker in my workshop, read, and generally goof off while making no excuses about it. But I can't bring myself to delete the smartphone notification. It's one of the few links I have left to my old identity. And I'm not sure what my new one is. A retired pastor friend assures me I'm in good company, existential angst-wise. It's been three years, he says, and he's still not used to it. 
but a nagging voice in my head tells me I ought to decide who I am pretty soon. And, you know, that's one of the things that that I enjoy. You mentioned, you know, enjoying working with younger people. One of the things I really enjoy about working with folks that are, you know, considering retirement and starting to run those numbers (laughs) is, okay, you know, we have 168 hours this week. And next week, you're going to have 168 hours. And the week after that, you're going to have 168 hours. You want to retire to something, not from something. Now, it could be a hobby, but even there, you know, your hobby might be so distant from your work skills and all of those kinds of things that you've been spending time on. You still might feel a little bit adrift. And, you know, so it's important that people spend some time thinking about that, not just travel, not, okay, the first couple of years, I'm going to go see this and this and visit the grandchildren and see the Grand Canyon, all those kind of things. And that's great. But you can only spend so much time at the, excuse me, at the Grand Canyon or, you know, building model trains or what the case may be. And uh, I don't even think this is limited to just men versus men and women. I think we all have this need to feel productive, even if we're relaxing. Do you, do you have clients that kind of share that struggle of I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I did with all my free time kind of thing? Um, no, I have people you know, that are looking at retirement and they're saying, well, you know, I'm thinking about retiring in two years. Yeah. And my question to them is, what does the next stage look like then? Yeah. You know, have you thought about the fact that, you know, you're working this job, you're working 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say it takes an hour to get there or half hour to get there, half hour at home, it's another hour a day, it's another five hours a week. That's 45 hours. You've got this camaraderie with people. Yeah. How are you going to fill that 45 hours? What is that going to look like? Yep. And I say, well, I'm interested in doing some volunteer work. All right. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. You know, what are you retiring to do? Yeah. Um, you know, my wife is working for Nashville school system for 38 years now. Uh-huh. She was ready to retire at 30 years. And long story short, she's retiring. But I, when COVID hit and my wife gets bored on the third day of Christmas vacation, <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm so bored right now. I'm like, welcome to retirement. I yeah. said to her, yeah. I don't care if you retire. She had her 30 years. She gets her pension. I, I don't care if you retire. Just tell me. What are you going to do? Right. Because you have to have something to do. Yep. Can't exactly. sit at home doing puzzles in your pajamas all day. That's right. You know, so don't uh, devote some time to that, not just in the financial numbers, but, you know, start thinking about hobby, thinking, you know, evaluating charities that you want to support. And uh, you're going to have a much more enjoyable retirement, regardless of the level of financial success you have. If you've got a game plan for spending those 50 or 60 hours that currently have been occupied by work, but you're not alone if you're struggling with that. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one.
Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.